Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Q. So last week we talked about the necessity of growing in righteousness. We're obligated to grow in righteousness. Can I get an amen on that? We are obligated to become more and more holy, to pursue Christ-likeness. All these words mean the same thing. This is our obligation. But it's not enough for me to just stand up here and tell you, this is what you're supposed to do. Have a good day. I have to explain to you the how to become more righteous. And so last week we talked about how do I grow in righteousness. And I gave three of the most simple points that I can make regarding that subject. There's probably a thousand, but I'm Polish, half Polish, half Cajun. My granddaddy says that means I, I'm always mad, too stupid, no why. So I gave you three very simple points. And those points were read the Word, do what it says, live a lifestyle of prayer, and surround yourself with godly people. This is how we grow in righteousness. Today, today I want to talk to you about growing in outreach. Outreach is defined as this. To reach beyond yourself. To meet a need in someone that could not otherwise be met. Some people call it missions. Whatever word you have for it, we call it outreach here. It's to meet a need in someone else that they could not meet themselves by reaching beyond yourself. This is what we've been called to. The big question is, what need does the world have that only the church can meet? And that's the presentation of the gospel. Did you hear what I said? Our responsibility, the church's responsibility is to make Christ known. The whole world has a need, and that need, above all other needs, financial, whatever, the greatest need that they have, that they can't meet for themselves, is salvation. And salvation is only available through the gospel message of Jesus Christ according to Romans chapter 1, 16. Which says, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. This is how we meet their need. This is the church's responsibility. I'm being redundant on purpose because I need us to pay attention. This is the reason we exist, to meet the gospel need in other people so that they can come to know Jesus. Amen? I'm reminded of a story to reflect the importance of this need that I heard some time ago about a lady in India. Her name was Alila. And Miss Alila just had a son. And I mean brand new born baby son. And she's standing on the banks of the river Ganges up to her knees. And if you don't know anything about India, there's about a million plus gods and goddesses, small g, gods and goddesses in India. And they believe one of the primary goddesses in, in their culture is the goddess of the Ganges. 
And the goddess of the Ganges, according to their belief, has the ability to forgive sin if the sacrifice is right. And so here she is, knee-deep in the Ganges River, believing this with everything that's in her, knowing that she has sin in her life that she needs to be forgiven for, sin in her household that she wants removed, and she throws her brand-new baby-born son into the river and watch it, watches it drown and die. And then she comes out of the river, lays down on the bank, and starts doing what you would expect such a woman to do. She's wailing and crying and beating at her chest because she really believes her faith is in the idea that this is the only way she could save herself and her family. And along, calls, and along comes a missionary named M.V. Varghese. And this missionary walks up to her and sees her in the state and the condition she's in and asks her, what's, what's the matter with you? And she begins to tell this story. She tells him what she had just done. And as compassionately as he knew how, he told her, the goddess of the Ganges can't save you. Can't remove this sin from your life. Can't remove the sin out of your house. Only Jesus is capable of doing that for you and presented the gospel to her. Through hearing it, she believed it, and in believing it, confessed it and proclaimed it. And then she stops. She looks very pointedly at him and says these what should be haunting words to us. Where were you 30 minutes ago? You want to talk about the necessity of the gospel being very pointed. Two-thirds of the world have never heard or don't know Jesus Christ. Two-thirds of the world population, that's 5.116 billion people within this generation will die and go to hell without accepting the gospel message of Jesus. We have to grow an outreach because people need us right now. They don't need us 30 minutes from now. People die every moment of every day. They need the gospel message right now. 5.116 billion people is a lot of people. And I know that sounds crazy or, or really kind of a, a silly statement, but that's a, that's a lot of people. So the church exists to reach them through the gospel. And I tell you everything that the church does, this church specifically, is for two purposes. To, to tell people about the gospel or to create influence to ultimately tell someone about the gospel. Up into and including the electric bill, my salary, to tell the gospel or to create influence? Why do we tend to women who have been physically and sexually abused? Because somebody needs to tell them about Jesus. Why do we go to Joseph's storehouse? Because somebody there may need Jesus. Why do we work at the health center? Because somebody there needs Jesus. Why do we go to the nursing home because somebody there 
may need Jesus. Everything that we do is for these two purposes. You're all, well, we didn't get to tell anybody about Jesus today. You're right, but you know what? They know that you you have the gospel in your mouth, and the next time some lady at the nursing home says, I need to talk to a preacher, guess who they're calling? They're calling you because you've been willing to tell them the truth. We have to grow in outreach. It's our responsibility. It's our why in what we do. Paul explains this very well, why we grow in outreach. Very, very well in Romans 10, 12 through 17. Let me read this to you. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on Him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now then, or how then, will they call on Him in whom they have not, not believed? How will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And, who, and how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news of Isaiah. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes by from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Amen. And so why? Why outreach? Let me explain it to you. Because coming to Christ requires calling on Him. Oh, that's not very profound. I'm not trying to be profound. The simpler I can make it, the better. Because people can't come to Christ without calling on Him. 12 to 13 says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on Him. For whoever, everybody say whoever will call on the name of the Lord, will be saved. This is the point I want to make first. The Word of God says whoever. Whoever. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. I tell you this for two reasons. One, because we need to understand what whoever means. Whoever literally means each, every, all, the whole, without exclusion, collectively. It's not exclusive, it's inclusive. Whoever walks the face of the earth, Jesus Christ desires to have a relationship with. He sent His Son so that you might have eternal life is the truth. Whoever calls on Him should have eternal life. This is the truth repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated in Scripture. The reason I tell you is because I want you to stop it's, it's this lack of understanding of whoever, of what whoever really means, causes many people to say, I'd give my life to the Lord. But He doesn't want me. He doesn't know what I've seen, what I've done, what I've been through. Can I say again, whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Each person, every person, all people, the whole of, the, of everybody that's ever lived, without exclusion, collectively, 
If they call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. You're good enough for a God that died on a cross to save you. There's a movie, I forget what it's called, The Beautiful Mind or something like that, where he says, it's not your fault. And he goes, don't tell me that. He goes, it's not your fault. Don't tell me that. It's not your fault. Don't tell me. The guy ultimately breaks down crying and has a breakthrough. This is what I want you to understand. He loves you, even if you don't want to hear it. He loves you, even if you don't want to hear it. He loves you, even if you don't think you're worthy. Whoever is whoever. Don't let everybody, don't let anyone tell you different. I've got a friend of mine that's a declared atheist. I think he's probably more agnostic. But he said he gave his life to the Lord when he was little bitty, like seven or eight, something like that. He's getting baptized and a guy walks up to him. He was born to his mother who wasn't married. And this guy walks up to him and says, this is what he said to him. In the baptism line, about to get baptized, looked at him and said, you can get baptized all you want. The fact of the matter is, you were born a bastard. You're going to hell anyway. We need to kill this spirit in the church. Whoever means whoever. There's another reason I tell you, not just to make you know that it was for you too, but because if it's for whoever, that means you're obligated to speak the truth to whoever. Well, I don't really like that particular kind of people, or I don't know them. They don't look like me. They don't act like me. They don't have the same money I have, or maybe they have more money than I have. Maybe they're not as smart as I am or more smart than I am. For all of these reasons, we decide we're not going to spend time with them. Well, if so-and-so sees me with them, they're going to think I'm involved in that. It's a good thing that Christ himself never thought such things because he was knee-deep in sinners all the time. He didn't partake of sin, but he was willing to be knee-deep in sinners all the time because he understood that the whoever is whoever. Just read through your Bible. I, just, I wrote a small sample in here as they just popped into my head. The Bible is full of prostitutes, tax collectors, hypocrites, fishermen, maniacal demon-possessed men, used and abused, those who have been misused. The world, a murderous king. God didn't say, whoa, not you, because of blank. He said, whoever calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. None of us, fact of the matter is, none of us are righteous. None of us deserve what God has given us. And so if any of us, if Christ died for any of us, he died for all of us. Ah, that's so good. Peter, I think of Peter's arrogance. And how he probably, to the people around him, wasn't worthy of what Christ did for him. But there's a story in Matthew 14, 28 through 31 that should blow our mind. Got Jesus comes walking out onto the lake. And it's a storm, tumultuous water everywhere. And Peter calls out to God and said, I, I want to I do that. And Jesus said, well, just come on out of here. He says it differently, but he says, just come out here. 
And so Peter does that. Steps out of the boat. And for a moment, he's standing on the water. And then what happened? And he looked around and saw the storm raging about him. And the Bible says because he didn't keep his eyes on Jesus, he drowned and died. Isn't that what it says? No. It's not what it says at all. It says because he called on the name of Jesus, he was saved. doesn't matter that he didn't deserve it. But he's the whosoever. We are the whosoever. I think that's so good. I know I've spent a lot of time here today. But if we're talking about outreach, meeting the need of the people around us, I think the greatest thing that we can remember is it doesn't matter what they look like, what political affiliation they have. It doesn't matter what color they are. doesn't matter their addiction. doesn't matter any of those things. What matters is that Christ died for whoever is willing to call on his name. Should I keep saying it? Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's a reason why I've been so repetitive. Because I, I honestly believe that with just the number in this room, and this is the smallest number of people we've had in the room for three services this week. So with, but just the number in this room, if we believed that truth, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, we'd turn the world upside down because 12 did it. Our responsibility is to make Christ known. Not famous, I don't like that verbiage. Jesus is already famous for you got here. Known. Hmm. The second reason why we do outreach is because everybody comes to Christ via a process. And what I mean by now, I'm, I'm speaking in generalities, very large generalities. But now, I understand that there are Christophanies. There are moments where Christ just reveals himself to people. Like he did for Paul on the Damascus Road. He didn't come to Christ via a process. Christ appeared to him. There's stories in the Middle East right now where Muslims, where they have no way to hear about Christ. Christ is showing himself physically to them. Saying, why are you persecuting me? And people are coming to salvation. But most of the people that you come into contact with the vast majority, 99 point whatever, are going to come to Christ through a process. And in asking four questions, Paul discusses that process. In verse 14, he says, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? Number two, How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? Number three, how will they hear without a preacher? And number five, four, how will they preach unless they are sent? Can I talk to you about this process? Question one, first step in the process. How will they call on him whom they have not believed? I'm not talking about 
mere mere belief or some shallow, unconvictional belief. I'm talking true belief. How will they call on Jesus if they don't believe that he's true, that he's real? But I tell you, that doesn't happen overnight. That in itself is a process. First, there's, there's personal curiosity. And I think if you overlay your own salvation experience, you'll see what I'm talking about. It may look a little bit different. It's personal curiosity. You go to church, you, you, you do whatever it is you do, there's a curiosity. I, I came to church because my wife told me she wouldn't date me if I didn't go to church. But I was also curious. People, The vast majority of people that come to church come to church for one reason. Because their life is upside down. And somewhere, somehow, somebody told them or showed them that there was a hope at the church. And they're curious as to whether or not that's true. And so they show up there, curious first. And then at some point, as people begin to show them that there is hope, they start to give personal assent to that hope. They start paying attention. They go outside. And they realize the truth very slowly that Romans 1.20 is true, that God does reveal himself in creation. Watch the grass grow. Watch the sun come up. You'll realize that the perfection of design has to scream. It screams that there's a God. The testimony of others helps foster that hope, helps us come to a place where we personally assent to the truth and believe. But we hide our testimony in our mouth. Well, I'm not going to tell anybody what I went through. What are they going to think about me? Maybe what you went through is what they need to get through it. One of the biggest sins that men deal with, and well, the statistic is now that just as many women deal with it, is pornography. Have dealt with or are currently dealing with. Why do I bring that up? For this reason. If I, and please don't stand up. But if I asked every person in this room, male or female, have you dealt with pornography and been able to beat it by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you please stand up? People would stand up in this room. And there'd be somebody over in a corner somewhere who up until that moment, because nobody else is willing to talk about it, believed that they were the only one. You need to open up your mouth because people come to a place where they begin to believe that God will when they see that God has. Amen? And then finally, we get to a place where we personally trust. We move to a position of conviction by the provocation of the Spirit. Question number two. The second point in this process. How will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? So we have to come to a place of faith. But He says, he says and, and personally, I would say I would put this question first, but I'm not the Holy Spirit, so I guess it's just the way it is. How will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And everybody in here thinks, well, yeah, we've got to tell them about Jesus. 
That's not the question. Listen to the question. How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say, how will they believe in him whom they have not heard about? How will they believe unless the Holy Spirit, God himself, speak to them? How will they believe without the provocation of the Spirit? John, 10, uh, John 6, 44, very specific to say, no one comes to me, this is Jesus talking, except that the Father draw them. Belief happens, faith happens, as the Holy Spirit begins to provoke us. And he provokes us in our assent and in our curiosity and in our conviction. The third point, the third question that he asks in this process is how will they hear without a preacher? And this is the biggest piece for us. People are, well, that's why we need to go to church, man. I've heard pastors say, this is why you need to go to church. Because how are people going to believe unless they have a preacher? This isn't exclusive of the fivefold ministry. But it's not talking about the fivefold ministry. Preacher in this text means proclaimer of the gospel and all things associated with it. How will they hear unless somebody's willing to tell them? That's you. Did you hear me? You gave your life to Christ and have an obligation to tell other people about him. I'm going to say something that the last time I said it, somebody came and they yelled at me over it. I'm going to say it again. Maybe they'll yell again. I don't know. It's not my job to save your friend. Did you hear me? It's my job to equip you. Do not leave here. Go to your workplace and say, and you need to come hear my pastor talk about Jesus so you can get saved. Now, I'm not saying that if someone that's unsaved comes here, I'm not going to tell them about the gospel. That's my job, too. I'm one of those preachers. Not five-fold ministry gift preachers. I'm one of those preachers. The five-fold ministry gift preachers exist for a purpose. Do you know what that purpose is? To equip the believer. To allow you to be able to leave from here to go there to tell your friends about Jesus. The reason I think the church is neutered largely in society is because we have set down our responsibility to preach. Because we have determined that it's the preacher's job, one man's job, to do what 200 plus people could be doing. They turned the world upside down with 12 because all of them talked about Jesus. All of them. This is what I'm challenging you to do. If you don't have the words to say, that's my fault. Because I didn't equip you properly. But it's also your fault because you didn't pray for the words to say. But I'm not going to be responsible for my part. 
Let me tell you how to tell somebody about Jesus. Y'all ready for this? I'm going to make it as simple as I can on you. And I do it all the time. So you guys should already have, most of you have these verses memorized. You come upon somebody at work and you know that they need Jesus. You sit down over a cup of coffee with them and tell them these three, these three verses. And they have all the information they have for the Spirit to provoke them to salvation. Because it's the gospel that saves them, not you. It's Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Fact of the matter is, all of us deserve hell. None of us are righteous. So we've got a sin problem. But John 3.16 says God sent the solution to that sin problem. He sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Because we were already judged. He had come to judge us. We were already condemned. According to Romans 3.23. And then after that, so I've got this problem. I've got this solution. How do I grab a hold of the solution? Because just knowing that I have a problem and that there's a solution isn't doing me any good. And the answer to that question is Romans 10, 9. It's to declare out of your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. Man, I want y'all to go to your workplaces, your fishing holes or whatever it is you do, your hobby shop or whatever. Sit down and have a conversation with people that don't know Jesus. And just say, it's okay. Because there's an answer to your problem. I love that Romans 3.23 starts out with all. It's kind of that whoever. It's a non-condemning statement as we speak it to our friends. Because that means that I fell short too. That I still fall short. But grace was given to us in the form of Jesus. Amen? I'm not telling you, I'm going to reiterate, I'm not telling you don't bring your friends here. And I'm not telling you that if an unsaved person walks in, I'm not going to tell them the gospel too, because I will. But not because I'm part of the fivefold ministry, but because of this question how will they hear without a preacher? And then finally, the last question that he asked, the last part of this process, how will they preach if they are not sent? We have been sent to do outreach. What is outreach? We've been sent to meet the need that people can't meet on their own, which is the gospel message of Jesus. I love this. The, we've been given, sent, to declare the ministry of reconciliation. Can I, I'm going to read a text to you. It's not really lengthy, but it is a little lengthy, so stay with me. 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21 reads like this. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest to God and hope that we may be made manifest also to your consciousness. We are not again condemning ourselves but to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that 
you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are sound mind, it is for you. I love that verse. You know, you know what he's saying there? He said, if I'm crazy, if I sound crazy to you, I'm crazy because I love Jesus. But it's because I love you too. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, because that's true, because the gospel is true. From now on, we recognize no one according to their flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God. The Spirit in us, the new creation in us, the message that we have, come from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. You've been given the word of reconciliation. God saved you. God loves you. God gave you His Spirit in Christ Jesus. Reconciled you to Him through the bloodshed of Jesus and expects you to do the same thing, be that conduit to other people. To declare that message, even, according to the text I read in verse 13, even if it makes you sound crazy. I dare say, especially if it makes you sound crazy. But then he continues, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Which means we're from another country just here to declare a message. As though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the message that we have. This is the gospel. This is the only need that the world has that they can't meet for themselves. The gospel message of Jesus and our responsibility. Not only have we been sent to declare the ministry, but we've been sent by the Great Commission to accomplish that. Make disciples, baptize them to prove that they, to declare publicly that they've been saved, and to make disciples, and then to teach them all that you know, which is, the discipleship process, which is a lifelong process. So you're never going to be shed of this problem. You're going to always be responsible for this. But that's okay. You know why? Because Acts 1.8 says, He sent us with the power of His Holy Spirit. How will they know unless they're sent? Acts 1.8 says, says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem which means where you live in Judea, Samaria, which means the region surrounding the area that you live and in all of the earth. Why do we do what we do? Because there's a need out there that people can't meet for themselves, for themselves 
and we've been sent to do it. That is so good. We're so blessed to be such a people. And then finally, why outreach? Because they have to hear the truth. Remember the story I told you? Where were you 30 minutes ago? 5.116 billion people don't know Jesus. You're responsible to tell them. But what if they don't what if they don't believe me? Or what if they think I'm crazy? Or what if what if they say something ugly to me? I'm gonna tell you what Pastor Sandy said, who's a pastor at the church I used to attend. She said like this That ain't my problem. That's God's problem. Our problem is to tell. God's problem is to convict. Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. But Isaiah says that not all believed when we told them. That's okay. That's why the last verse that we have says faith comes by hearing. By hearing the words of Christ. Have you ever had to be told something twice before you did it or believed it? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody has. So maybe you'll have to tell it twice. Maybe you'll have to tell it three times. Or Lord forbid, maybe you'll have to live it out in front of them every single day of your whole life. Because their faith is going to be based on what they hear you say. And hear you do. It's interesting to me that if you tell somebody they're fat, even if they're skinny, long enough, they're going to think they're fat. You tell somebody they're ugly, they're going to believe they're ugly. I used to have a shift lieutenant that I didn't particularly care for. And I realized about three or four years after working for him that if I'd walk into the shift room and go, LT, man, you don't look like you feel good today. He would go, no, I feel fine. Are you sure, man? You look a little like you're pale or something. He go, well, maybe, maybe I don't feel too good. And if I said it two or three more times, he'd go home before we started shift. And I didn't have to deal with him all day. You know why? Because faith comes by hearing. Whatever you hear. Let whatever they hear come out of you be for the glory of God and the gospel. I, don't, I can't imagine standing at the throne of God and God asking me, where were you 30 minutes ago? So how do we grow in righteousness? We pray. Or grow in outreach. We pray. God, open up my ears to see the need. Open up my eye, or open up my ears to see the need. Open up my ears to hear the need. Open up my eyes to see it. Move my feet to get to it. And ask Him to empower you, to strengthen you, to do it more and more every day. Do you think that's a prayer God won't answer? If you sincerely pray, God, show me somebody to tell the gospel to today. God is not going to say, nah, we'll start doing that on Monday. He's going to give you opportunity and another opportunity. I told 
the first service, when we first got into ministry, I can remember when once I felt like I had a call to ministry, we weren't, I think I was still working in the parking lot at the time. I can, I can remember praying, God, just give me one person this, this week to tell about you. And guess how many I got? I got one. That's what I asked for. And I said, God, give me two. Give me three. Give me four. Give me five. Now I'm meeting people at five o'clock in the morning. At seven or eight, ten o'clock at night. And I'm like, God, just take one of these people and give them to somebody else. <laughs> I just play. But the idea is that God will answer that prayer because he wants that need to be met. And he placed the vocalization of that need in your mouth. Amen?